please pray with me. Father, we thank you for this beautiful day. We thank you for the opportunity to come and worship freely and to hear your word. We just ask that you would open our hearts to hear the words that you have to say to us today. And come Holy Spirit, wash over us. May the words of my mouth and the meditations of our hearts be pleasing in your sight. Amen. You guys can sit down. So if, you're ha- if you have your Bibles with you or on your phone, go ahead and turn to Matthew 14, 22, and 33. And in this gospel lesson, we have two important details, two key items, rest and rescue. By show of hands, is anybody here in a position of leadership or influence? It could be in the workplace or it could be over a volunteer organization. It could be a school teacher. Anybody that helps shape character or development or offers guidance to others. When we're in these roles, thank you, Bob. <laughs> in these roles, we have people that we have influence over. But there's also the people that we are closer to than others. People that we do life with, whether it's uh, family members or whether it's you know, our close friends, our accountability partners, life group. But then we have the people that are our inner circle. You know, the closest, our closest confidence, the one that, that we are going to meet with or call in the middle of the night if there's an issue. Jesus had this, for example. He had 72 disciples. And he had the 12 that he took under his wing, the ones that were closest to the teacher, the ones that he, he nurtured and, and developed their faith and, and broke bread with. But then of those 12, he had three, Peter, James, and John. Those were the ones that were closest to him. Those were, that was his core group, his inner circle, the ones that he let in to see in his most intimate and private moments. Now, like Jesus these people that are closest to us, we, we love and respect them. We know that they love and respect us. And for the most part, we know they get it. But they don't always get it. I see the moms and wives shaking their heads because they know what I mean. I mean, these are the people that usually can pick up on signals that we throw out there. They know when to talk to us or when to listen to us when to ask questions and when not to ask those questions. And they know when to just kind of be there or give us our space. You can ask Shannon, that ain't me. I don't pick up on subtleties well. For example, we're we're visiting the holidays with somebody that will rename anonymous because they might hear this sermon later on. But everybody in the room except me knew that the kids were tired and that they were ready to go home. And they knew that the conversation was done with our hosts. So Shannon, in her gentle way, starts giving me the signals. I don't pick up on the signals. By the time I realize what's going on, there's calls coming in like a third base coach. Head nods, covert eye movements, you know, some signals. And in my obliviousness, I shout out across the room, no less, what, you ready to go? Now, we've, we've, we've matured in our relationship, and we can laugh about it now, and the, the, the wounds from where she's peered into my soul have healed. 
but you understand her frustration. But it can also be things like, uh, mom, you get home from work or you've had a busy day and you can't get in the door good before people are asking, what's for dinner? Or guys, you know, we've all had quite a day and your spouse wants to talk. It's not, not time for that. Our parents together, you're sitting on the beach. Your kids have every toy known to man, but they're not happy and they want you to occupy their time. Sometimes we need to handle situations on our own. We need to get away from people. We need to take time even away from the people that are closest to us. We have moments where we long for rest, both physically and spiritually and also emotionally. And Jesus models for us how to be intentional about rest. So here we have the disciples, and like myself, they don't always pick up on clues, which is why in verse 22, Jesus sent them away first. He put them on the boat. He was like, y'all go on now. So Jesus could have very easily had his own moments if he'd have gotten on the boat himself, but it was easier for him to get his, his companions going first and then take on the task of dismissing the crowds. And once he dismissed the crowds, he was able to retreat to the hills for solitude and time alone with the Father, as you'll see in verse 23. Now, what do you think would have happened if Jesus would have let the disciples stick around? Do you think he would have been able to slip off into the hills to have that moment alone with God? To have that rest and refreshing and relaxing moment. Oh no, no, no. The disciples would have been right there on them. What next, Jesus? What are we going to do now? Now keep in mind, the crowds that Jesus had dis just dismissed were the crowds from when he fed the multitude with five loaves and two fish. So I can imagine the disciples are still just in awe. You know, all the things that they've seen, but this man just fed 5,000 men and their families with five loaves and two fish. So I'm sure they were coming down off of that just wow moment. Um, and I'm sure there was wonder and, and excitement. Kind of like when you take your kids to the fair or the Disney World or wherever, and they're still riding on that, that high of, of the excitement, and they're like, Daddy, Daddy, what now? But by sending his disciples away first and then dismissing the crowd, Jesus was creating um, margin. And he was intentional with his actions. He had a reason for the, the way that he dismissed the disciples first and then the uh, multitudes. The Oxford Dictionary defines rest this way, to cease work or movement in order to relax, to refresh oneself, or to recover strength. And this definition applies both to physical rest and to spiritual rest. And rest is important because in the Bible, in fact, it mentions rest at least 72 times. If we're tired physically, how can we gain the strength spiritually to live out what God's calling us to do? Rest has been modeled for us from the beginning. On the seventh day in Genesis, God rested from all the work he had done, and he made that day holy. Therefore, rest is holy. Now, I'm not talking about paid time off, scheduled vacations, date nights, you know, Netflix binges. I like Netflix. Uh, those things can be good if they're done for the right reasons. But we're talking about 
rest in the sense of intentional time away with God, where we set aside that time to reflect and pray and listen and to be with the Father. Even in our busy schedules, we have time to create margin. Knowing what to say yes to, knowing what to say no to. We can still be effective in our efforts, in our jobs, and in our volunteering and serving without saying yes to everything. In fact, we'll be able to serve Christ better if we find our rest in the Father. But without rest, pride sneaks in and we start to try to rely on our own strength, the strength of our tired bodies and our exhausted minds. And Lamentations 3, 25 and 26 tells us, the Lord is good to those who wait for him, to the soul who seeks him. It is good that one should wait quietly for the salvation of the Lord. And this is exactly what Jesus was doing. He was modeling for us how to be intentional, how to have that time with the Father. In fact, scholars in the Life Application Bible tell us that seeking solitude was an important priority for Jesus. That he made room in his busy schedule to be alone with the Father. Spending time with God in prayer nurtures a vital relationship with him and it equips us to meet life's challenges and struggles. And when we develop discipline of spending time with God, it allows us to grow spiritually to be more and more like Christ. Jesus routinely throughout the New Testament sought time to be alone with the Father and to pray and listen. And he instructs us how to do that in Matthew eleven twenty eight and 29. Come to me, all who labor and are heavy laden, and I will give you rest. Take my yoke upon you and learn from me, for I am gentle and lowly in heart, and you will find rest for your souls. Rest for your souls. I find that comforting that Jesus knew that we would get in our own way and he models for us the importance of finding that rest for our souls. That verse also leads us into our second point of this passage, and that is rescue. Jesus has been alone on the mountain, and it's getting late. It's well into the night. He had dismissed the crowds around 5 o'clock. And Matthew tells us that the disciples are on the boat and they're in the fourth watch, which we know by the Roman clock to be between 3 a.m. and 6 a.m. So by my standards, the middle of the night. And they're a long way off from shore, and they're in the middle of the storm. We think that they've been in the storm for possibly up to nine hours. It's a long time in a storm. We'll get frustrated with a storm nine hours if I'm in my house, not out on the water. They're being beaten by the waves. Mark 6, 48 tells us that Jesus saw the disciples from the shore making headway painfully. Jesus saw them and he acknowledged their struggle and their pain and their fear. So what did Jesus do? You look back at Matthew 14, 25. He came to them walking on water. Just like he comes to us in our time of need. So think about a time when you've been beaten by the waves or tossed about by the winds, when you, you've been struggling in the storm of life and you don't see the end in sight. It could be things like addiction or marital strife, financial problems. Uh, for parents, it could be praying for a child that's strayed 
and you're longing for them to recover their relationship with Christ, to come back to the Lord. It could be past pains and hurts that people don't know about or that you don't want people to know about that you've been quietly battling yourself. It's in these moments that Jesus comes to us. But like the disciples, we don't always recognize. The New Living Translation says in Matthew 14, 20, uh, 26, that they screamed in terror because they thought he was a ghost. I can imagine they're slightly disoriented being tossed about in the water for nine hours. But immediately Jesus calms them in the way that only Jesus can calm us. He says, take heart, for it is I. This can also be translated as one of Jesus' I am statements. He was calming his disciples, and at the same time he was revealing to them and acknowledging that he was the Son of God. We see this as a foreshadow to Luke 24, 37, when again after the crucifixion, Christ appeared to the disciples and they thought he was a ghost. But he also bid them his peace then to calm their souls, to reassure them that he was with them in the midst of that storm. Peter was in the boat with the other disciples. And I myself can identify with Peter. And I'm sure we all can find some characteristics that we relate with as well. In my, in my own life, I've struggled with impulsivity. You know, doing things without thinking of the consequences or running off at the mouth. Matter of fact, I've put my foot in my mouth so many times it's a wonder I can still walk. <laughs> Peter was an impulsive guy. He was quick to draw the sword in the garden when the soldiers came to arrest Jesus and cut the guy's ear off. When Jesus posed questions, Peter was one of the first to answer or to speak up. Peter found out that Jesus, the tomb was empty, and he ran immediately without thought of any guards or anything, immediately took off to the tomb and ran inside, not caring what, what he was going to find. So in this moment, upon hearing Jesus identify himself, Peter in his impulsive nature hollers out, Lord, if it really is you, command me to come to you. Now, I've been in some choppy waters on a boat. I've never been in storm-ridden waters on a boat. So I'm not sure in my impulsivity if I would be the first to cast my leg over the side and step out on the water. But in this moment, uh, Peter was not testing Jesus. He was reacting in his face. As soon as he recognized that it was his Lord, he didn't let his inhibitions stop him. He immediately wanted to be with his Lord. Now, what a great ending if Peter would have stepped out of the boat, walked on water, met Jesus, never lost sight of him. They embraced, storm calms down. They get back on the boat and go on their merry way. It would be Hollywood gold. But that ain't what happened. Peter had what I like to call a squirrel moment. And if you know, you know. He allowed himself to become distracted by the elements, by the storm that was tossing him about. He took his eyes off of Jesus. Now, we've read this scripture and we've, we've heard it our lives. 
So we've all learned our lesson, right? No need to go further, right? We've learned from Peter's mistake, so we don't repeat. Not, not true, right? <laughs> so Peter took his eyes off of Jesus and he began to sink in the stormy waters and he became engulfed in the dark situation that he was in. And we allow ourselves to become engulfed in these situations when we lose focus of the one who can and will save us, who will rescue us. But notice in this time that Jesus didn't say, too bad, Peter. You blew your shot, Peter. You know, wish things could be different, Peter. Nope. When Peter's faith faltered, he called out to Jesus and immediately Jesus gave him his hand to rescue him. Jesus was there in the storm with him and rescued Peter. Now, remember, like I said, that Peter was in Jesus' inner circle. He was one of his closest companions. So when I read verse 31 in Matthew 14, I hear it in my head a little different, like how I would be with one of my buddies. Like, really, dude? How you, how you going to doubt me after all you've seen and after all we've been through and discussed? How are you going to doubt me, Peter? When he was questioning his little faith. Because it's not the first time that Jesus has been in the boat with the disciples or in the sea with the disciples and it calmed the storm. Look back in Matthew 8. Jesus was asleep on the boat. It was getting tossed in the storm. And the disciples are losing their minds. They are scared to death. They think, Jesus, we're going to die. You got to wake up and do something. So Jesus wakes up. He acknowledges their small faith. And with a word, he calms the sea and the storm's all good. And you like to think that you wouldn't worry as much, but how many times in life do circumstances repeat themselves and we have the same reaction? But if you notice their response from the disciples in chapter 8, they were still thinking Jesus was a man, maybe a prophet. They still weren't sure about who he was. But it was in chapter 14 when Jesus stepped foot on the boat and the storm ceased that they got it. They acknowledged him truly, you are the son of God. Matter of fact, it's the only time in the Gospel of Matthew where they acknowledge Jesus completely as the Son of God. So when I think about rescue, I'm reminded of a story of Corey Ten Boom and her sister Betsy. They were Dutch citizens and sisters, and with their family's help, they offered, um, they offered food and shelter and money to people in need in their community. And in the midst of World War II, they offered shelter to uh, Jews that were escaping the Holocaust. They, they tried to help sneak them out and get them to different places. Eventually they were caught and put into a concentration camp. On December 31st, 1944, Jesus rescued Corey Tim Boone. 15 days earlier, her sister passed away so there she is alone in this concentration camp without her sister. She was told that she was released on a clerical error. Not sure, but I know that was Jesus because if she'd have been in there three more days, she was going to be executed in a gas chamber. So Jesus came to Corey Ten Boom in the midst of the storm of losing her sister and of being imprisoned in a camp and rescued her. One very interesting fact is that her sister Betsy, on her deathbed before she passed away, told Corey, there is no pit so deep 
that God is not deeper still. So truly there is no pit or storm in life or struggle or despair too deep that God cannot rescue us through the grace, mercy, and redemptive power of his son, Jesus. Jesus is already there with us. And he's there to rescue us. We spend time alone with the Father to strengthen our faith and assurance that we know that Jesus will rescue us in those times. But Jesus not only wants to rescue us from the struggles of life and the issues that we face, but he also wants to rescue us from the distractions in life. Just like he did with Peter, he wants to, he wants to rescue us from losing focus on him and take us out of the focus on our circumstances or the outside influences. And he models for us and shows us and teaches us that the Father wants us to come rest in him to strengthen that faith. Author and speaker Rebecca Lyons says, when we rest in him and when we abide in him, he brings us into a fruit-producing life that feeds and nourishes others. But if we're not careful, we lose sight of this. God himself created that margin and modeled for us rest. It's his gift to us and his desire for us to seek him out and commune with him to be intentional about our rest in the Father. We all have the same opportunity. Every day we have the same 24 hours. We have to to be intentional about our, our walk with God and finding our rest and refreshment in him. So what does that look like for us? Is it a situation where we put the phone down? Delete a game app on your your iPad? Take a hiatus from social media? Watch one less series on Netflix? Or do we say no to someone or something? My prayer is that God will reveal to us what obstacles stand between us and intentional rest in the Father. Please pray with me. Father, we thank you for this beautiful morning. Thank you for giving us the strength to be intentional about coming to your house today to hear your word. Thank you for removing the obstacles that would have kept us away. And we just ask your continued blessing.